I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Card Talk. As always, I'm Ryan, joined by Tyler and Tyler. This is the first episode in Card Talk history where we don't have Lou. Uh, it just doesn't feel right. Lou is currently off dealing with some uh, dealing with some stuff, getting some stuff taken care of. So uh, all is well in Lou's world. But um, this is the first time we do not have him. So Ty, it looks like it's just going to be you and I for this episode. Numbers might be up. Nah, I miss Lou. We feel naked right now. The banter. We just need we need the Lou banter. But um, we're just going to go right into some Q&A. Before we do so, I got a question for you, Rye. Because we're going to Dallas this weekend. There's probably a lot of questions in, in uh, you know, that we're going to answer around going in, da-da-da. Do you price your cards before getting on the plane? Or do you get there? Well, you're, you're not sure. Okay, if you're setting up at a table with a display when do you price the day before i would leave the day before you leave yeah it's just if if, like let's say you price a luca prism psa 10 right on tuesday if that card's down 30 percent or up 30 percent in 24 hours like you would assume you like the only reason it would really go up in a short period of time is if he did something amazing Mm -hmm. and if you're you know, on social media, you would have probably seen that. Mm-hmm. So just don't expect there to be a huge market correction mm-hmm. in a 24 to 48 hour window. So I would rather, again, you know, you can attest to what it's like to price as people are walking mm-hmm. by and you're not prepared where I'm as, or as I was, had everything out for sale, yeah. had it all ready to go. So yeah, I think there's, you know, everybody's different. I would just prefer to have a price. 24 to 48 hours before i leave and are you taking slabs and putting them in a sleeve and stickering them like and that's that's that even if you're walking around you want like price on sticker or a sticker price on a card so i if i was going to set up that's what i would do Mm -hmm. right i'm not planning on bringing a lot of stuff to sell Mm -hmm. i think this is a buying market, not a selling market at the moment. Mm -hmm. I don't see many opportunities to sell a lot. I think the opportunity makes more more sense at the moment to buy. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm a little bit more intrigued to go around and spend some money, go through some dollar boxes, find some some plays. But I'm not as intrigued to to take a bunch of stuff and sell. Makes sense. All right, sweet. Let's, uh, Let's get into it. Jay, I'm gonna pop you on screen here for a second. Man, man in the back. Oh, it already you know, it feels a little bit better. You got three people, but uh, do you want to just fire the questions at us? Sure. Let me bring them up here. And throw throw initial our way. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think we're gonna like. Do you guys want to start talking about show questions or just general card related questions? Throw a question. Okay, great. So from uh, Maverick underscore Trey on Twitter, he asks, is it fair to say that we're experiencing the greatest dip market correction post-2019? Post-2019. Amazing. All right. 
is it fair to say we're experiencing the great the biggest dip post 2019 i don't what is it 2021 right now it is and we're a, march is a year i would assume the year would be yes march covid started march 2020 yeah didn't things go significantly down like right after and then come up there was definitely a dip i mean i remember selling some stuff off right when like the nba got shut down like when all that happened so i remember there being a dip i'm not sure it's quite the dip we're at over the last six to eight weeks Mm -hmm. my answer would be yes but again it's you know like you you said this one time and i'll never forget it right like you know luca got as high as 2k but when it started they were 400 dollars yeah. So while they're still not two thousand dollars, they are still nine hundred and fifty to a thousand dollars. So I think that that plays a, a part there. But yes, if you're talking about, I would say really since COVID began, and we've had the run that we've been on, this is probably the biggest market correction or biggest dip or whatever you want to call it since that time. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it'd be fair to say that. I don't have much to opine on it because if you look at jordan inserts i don't think there's a dip if you look at pokemon i think there's a massive dip if you look at a lot of vintage soccer i don't think you're seeing necessarily a dip i think if you're looking at modern basketball i think there's a dip or flat line maybe Kind of, I feel like modern basketball started to peel off. But then again, there's certain players that aren't. I won't say MPJ, but I'll say MPJ, but I won't say MPJ. And um, yeah, I think I think of it more of as a, 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 a perspective reframing. I think a lot of people are going to go to Dallas with cards that they've doubled their money on and feel like, they're in a bad spot. Sure. I mean, a, a buyer's market out there for sure. I think people are going to be selling off on the dip. So I think there's going to be all kinds of opportunities out there, which actually goes into the next question from uh, Northeast Ohio Sports Cards on Twitter, which is interesting because, you know, it he, he nailed this one. I think um, every time we go out there, there's it seems like there's always one player or one set or something that everybody seems to be, you know, all in on in the first uh, in January. I think it was probably Kevin Durant and, and uh, you know, all the Marvel cards mm-hmm. and all that hot um but he asked what is the player or card that comes out of the show on fire always seems to be one this is fantastic to be yeah marvel was in the mix last time where's your head at right what comes out of it you mentioned to me on the phone something you were looking to uh get into some things you're thinking about buying i mean my my first thought which what i've been saying for the last couple episodes is still football it's not necessarily one thing it just I think there's going to be a lot of hype this year going into the football season, right? Brady coming off number seven and just, I mean, he's got more rings than Jordan. You've got Mahomes is, you know, is Mahomes going to rebound for the last couple of years? He's just dominated. And you've got just so much young talent in the NFL now, right? You know, you've got this 2021 class with five quarterbacks in the top 15. You've got Burrow coming off an ACL tear, but a lot of hype around the former number one pick. You've got Herbert, Lamar, Baker, Josh Allen. There's just so much young talent in the league. I just think football has a lot of hype building up to it, especially as we get closer to the national. And I just I just believe that that's where the market will will continue to trend. 
we'll see, right? But that's that's where my head is at right now is is really the opportunity in football. I like it. I I'm very interested in numbered modern basketball. Color like parallels of modern basketball. I think with the pullback in it, I just went to eBay. I do this every once in a while. I typed in Panini PSA 10 sold listings. And there's still a lot of basketball. I think John Morant has a real shot. One of the things that is super on my mind is like Trey Young just made the playoffs as a five seed. I've been a loud proponent of Trey Young as not going to have playoff success. They're the favorite to beat the Knicks and go to the second round. If you go 18 months from now and we've had a full kind of, okay, basketball back, people are back. I just think the allure of basketball has been uh, dropped down by just constant playing. I don't think the players are that into it right now. They're just tired. I think this playoff run will jump up. And so I think you're going to see a lot of uh, John Morant, Trey Young, some of these younger stars, colored parallels looking to be scooped up. It seems like we need an offseason in basketball because I don't think we really got that last time. I mean, you got, what, two weeks off? LeBron talked about, like, I'm not playing right away. Mm-hmm. And then it's just been like, so it's really been the sport that's been on, I mean, the most since COVID really happened, right? They played in the bubble and then it ended and it was quickly back again. And it just seems like it's been going on forever. And there was not really an off season to see, you know, who's training. You know, I don't think we got that. And I think that helps. Allows teams to add pieces, make dredge. Obviously, we have we had an off season, but yeah, I'd be curious to see what what'll happen with a little bit more of an extended off season this time. Mm-hmm. What I think is going to happen, Ty, is if the Hawks lose to the Knicks, Trey Young stuff's not going to. I don't assume would continue to rise. Like relevancy still will will matter. Um, and if he's not playing, I don't assume his stuff will rise, but. Um, so I think there might be a, a short-term dip once a team's eliminated, but I think there there will definitely be some buying opportunities for basketball stars. So just again, so much young talent. You know, as we get closer to the national, especially just because there's you know it's not going to be on for a while. I think what the season ends in July and resumes in October. Yep. So you have a little bit of a buying period there. So yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. I just think my head is focused on immediately is on football. Yeah, I, I, Personally, I think that you <clears throat> might see people um, out there in Dallas speculating on who's going to be this year's Tyler Hero and buying up their cards. So whether that's like a second star on a, on a team they think might make a run, you know, or a young player who they think is undervalued, I think that might be, uh, there's going to be a lot of that going on, I think. And also, you know, shout out to Lou. I, I have a feeling there might be a lot of F1 buzz going on out there with, uh, with, with what's going on in that market. I know that... Uh, I'm going to keep my eyes open for some of that stuff because just like soccer was last in, in uh, March when we were out there, I think F1 could have a similar type of vibe where people are like just trying to figure out the market and, and, uh, and make some plays while they're out there. So I think those would be my two. Right. You've talked about this on the show in the past, but um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's worth talking about again, just because we're going out there uh, in a couple of days. Um, that dude, Fally underscore cards on Instagram asked, what do you guys find the pros and cons of walking around versus setting up a table? So there's a little bit of both. I've said it before. I prefer most of the time to, to walk around, just be able to go to every single person's table, sit down and go through dollar boxes, quarter boxes, you know, any value box, stuff like that. I think you're kind of limited with the, the ability to, to really dig and do stuff like that when you have a table, especially if it's just you or one other person make makes it hard 
So that's one of the biggest things is, is just being limited in how long you can spend away from the table or, or what you can game plan there. Because, you know, Tyler and Lou will attest to this when we're set up in Dallas and Lou goes away and, you know, he's got a card for a thousand dollars and someone's like, hey, I give you nine hundred. Are, are we supposed to make that decision for him? We got to call him. Then you got to come back. You just can't really like wheel and deal as much when you're not at the table. So you're, you're, if you're set up, it, it just, it makes it hard, right? Cause you either got to be committed to the table and wheeling and dealing there or walking around and, and, and trying to find deals that way. So typically I prefer walking around, but being limited, if you're set up, I think you're more restricted. I think that would be the, the, the real big con there. But if you're set up, you also get deals that walk up specifically to your table that, that that could be a plus, especially if you're in a good location. You've got people that walk up to you or are looking for you and, and will we'll deal with you at your table. So that's a that's a that's an advantage to being set up. Ty, anything that you think of? I enjoy being at the table. I feel like you can uh, hang with people a little bit more. And what I mean by that is people come up to your table. I, I feel like it's not as forced on like doing transactions and things. And I think that that can help just with networking in the hobby, which I think is incredibly important. And I think that sometimes it can then lead to certain deals. Point being, you have a table set up and you display a bunch of stuff and you're there Friday and Saturday and maybe Sunday. And people come up and have a good convo, check out your stuff. Maybe they're not interested in anything and you can talk to them for 15, 20 minutes. I think if you're on the other side of the table, you have to be more respectful of someone doing business. You know, you come up to a certain table, you like someone's stuff, you're not interested in necessarily buying anything, they would like you to clear space and that's not always, but I think that that is a lot of times on my mind, right? Where I I like to jam and look at stuff and think about things and what I'm saying is if you have a table, I've had a lot of people come up, I remember the last show, check out your stuff and then they're walking the floor talking to other people and they're like, oh, here, oh, I'm looking at that thing. I, meaning they'll bring people back to your table. And sometimes a big deal, I, I literally sold a Durant Chrome 10 at the last show because someone knew I had it. And then someone saw another buyer at another table looking for one. And we, I had become friendly with that person. They brought them over, you know, and that's how we did the deal. And I think that sometimes when you're walking, it's a more transactional game. And really rooted in like not having a home base to hang back at. I think that is kind of the main difference. Both, I, I, I don't have a, I slightly prefer having a home base also because I like to have a nice cold cooler and I like to build camaraderie with the person that's next to me or behind me and kind of understand what's going on. Whereas I feel like you're a bit more of a nomad when you're walking around and don't really have kind of a, a spot. But I think you can be much more pointed, transactional, have a plan, go in and execute when you're when you're walking. So that, that that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, the cold cooler full of beers is definitely a vibe. That's uh, I think the number one advantage of having a table. I'll give you an example. When I was walking the show last show, it, there was a table in the back corner, and the guy had a Bobochet superfractor that that I really wanted, and also our friend Beacon really wanted. We. I had my eye on that thing for the entire time for a couple of days. And, uh, the guy, uh, you know, right away, he, he was, I, I thought he was being, you know, he, he was, he wasn't really wanting to negotiate, but I just kept figuring that the longer that that card sat there throughout the course of the show, the better the chances were that I could soften him up a little bit and get him to come down a little bit on price. It never happened. I mean, but 
I think that like knowing that there's a uh, a table out there with a card specifically that you wanted that you know when you're there for the course of the entire time, it's always good to have that you know in in the back of your mind. It's like uh, you know I I think that it kept bringing me back to that table to check out what was going on, and uh, you know I think that that's um, you know a big advantage of having having a table. Like if if that guy didn't have the table and I saw that card, how would I even find that guy throughout the course of the rest of the show? Right. So like, mm-hmm. you know, that like if there's something that you saw that you maybe, you know, you think you might be able to get later on or, you know, or alternatively, like maybe you trade up and, and you go back over there and you keep trying to wheel and deal throughout the course of the show. So I think that's uh, to me as, as somebody who's walked the show and also obviously been at our table, that to me is the biggest advantage of, uh, you know, from, looking at it from uh you know somebody who's potentially buying or looking to trade yeah, i think when you have a setup home spot you can afford to have a little bit more patience right throughout the weekend now i think there's pros and cons with having patience because i think sometimes you let things pass you thinking you'll come back to them and then boom and things can change fast in 48 hours yep you know and sometimes removing the thinking about it ends up being the best thing that ever happened yeah, Ty, you like moving fast. That last show, you walked in there. I, I was trying to follow Tyler to record content. I, I lost track of him for about five minutes for the first five minutes of the show. All of a sudden, he's like, dude, I just made some big plays. What did I just miss? Things happen fast. What do we got next? All right, so so next, our, our guy CJ Curry asked, and this is right up Ryan's alley because um, he's so high on the football market. Who do you think is going to be the most collectible non-quarterback rookie in this year's NFL draft class? He's hoping you say Devontae Smith. I don't think it'll be Devontae Smith. I said this last week when we talked about it. I think when you get a, a guy that goes to a, from a good pro or a good college team to a good pro team, like a collectible team on either on both sides, that helps. Uh, there's two that come to mind immediately: um, Mika Parsons and Najee Harris. I think those are the first big two that come to mind. Anybody for Dallas sells well. Um, and then Najee Harris being a beast, fitting it right in, you would assume he's going to start in Pittsburgh. I think those are the first two that come to mind. Sure, I think Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle and Smith, and I think a lot of the receivers could be good, but I just have a hard time believing a Bengals wide receiver would outsell a Steelers running back from Alabama. I just think that the the the, the good college and the good pro team, especially in terms of collectability, will play into that. So I would go Mika Parsons and Najee Harris. I love you for saying Mika Parsons because I agree. I think people are going to be blown away when they see him on the field and and what he's a bit uh, able to do. And then I do think Jamar Chase. I think those two dudes might just light things up for a long time. I think you're spot on about you know the Bengals can be the Bengals, but teams can get hot and and the Bengals have a little swagger to them. I like. You know, I think in general, when they were high flying Ocho Cinco, uh, Carson Palmer, you know, I I think the Bengals are a well branded and likable team. And I think Joey Burrow is going to have a chance to prove himself. Hopefully, he's got some protection around him. And I think he's linking back up with a dude that he made history with. And they might just come out and be two young studs at that ball. I'm going to go Kyle Pitts. I'm going to go against the grain a little bit because I, I wouldn't usually take a tight end in that spot. I know they don't typically sell that well, but in that offense with Ridley and Julio Jones and you got Matt Ryan there, I mean, he's stepping into a pretty good spot. And I think Atlanta could be kind of sneaky good this year with in that offense. I mean, and plus, I mean, he, he fits your mold a little bit, Ryan. I mean, he's coming in from University of Florida. He's going to have a little juice behind him. 
you know, in, in that regard, I think that he could be a big play. I mean, he was the, what, number four pick in the draft. Uh, you know, I like Pitts a lot. At all, not just for cards, but also for fantasy. I think he's going to be an absolute fantasy monster. I disagree. All right, Jay, what else you got for us? So this is an interesting question. Um, I guess with everything kind of running low, Mr. Rob83 on Insta asked, uh, where do you find your supplies, top loaders, penny sleeves, et cetera, for a good bargain that's not going to break the bank or even just be able to mm-hmm. find them? There isn't really a good answer. We have limits on every single supply that we sell because they're at, you know, reasonable prices. It's hard, right? Like we've struggled with the idea of like, like it's either limit top loaders at, you know, a reasonable price or buy them secondary on eBay for $10 and charge customers $11. Like I don't really want to sell top loaders at $11. So the question becomes, you know, do you just let everybody get as many as they want and you just buy them at 10, sell them at 11? Or do you just limit the ones you have left And, you know, when they're gone, they're gone. It's, there's not, it's crazy, right? I, uh, when COVID first happened, we, we couldn't get supplies. It was harder and we're like, okay, you know, thinking it's, it's, it would, you know, catch up. I'm really surprised it it is, it has been as hard as it has been to get supplies. Again, we don't have a, we have some available, like I said now, but we have a limit on them, but it's not like we can just call up a distributor and just be like, Hey, I need 10 cases of top loaders like that, that that's not happening. And it's not super, it's not super easy to find them. And I I don't mean to linger, but I think part of the problem is, is like, we were so used to paying $2 and 50 cents for a pack of top loaders, two bucks for a pack of top loaders while the price of prism was $400. But then the price of prism goes to 1600 or to 1400 or 1200, wherever it's at the demand for top loaders has gone up too, as the demand for product and the demand in the hobby has gone up. So yeah, it's, it's definitely not easy and I don't have a a really good solution right now. I I wish I did. It feels to me like shows are like an amazing place because the the vendors come and that's where you can kind of really tap into supply. The last show I went to, the only person selling top loaders had them at $10 a pack. Full eBay? Full eBay. So yeah, supply issues. Yeah, it's just they used to be $2.50. And I think it's like some people are, myself included, I'm like, I just don't, like, it's hard to pay $10 for a pack of top loaders when you're used to paying $2.50. But in the same breath, it's hard to pay $100 for a blaster when you used to pay $20. Or it's hard to pay $1,000 or $1,200 for Prism when you used to pay $400. It's just where the market's at right now. The demand has outpaced supply. Yeah, it's tough to pay three hundred dollars to get a card graded when i was at the miami card show um when i first walked in there was a table that had top loaders and i was and i need some top loaders so i was gonna buy them and i was like ah i'll just get them in a little while i want to cruise the show and see what's going on i got back to that table somebody cleaned the entire table out of top loaders and they were gone and you couldn't find any in the show so it, that's i mean that's a good point Ty. if you see it at a show or you see them out you might as well buy them up before we go into it i do want to show we received our first send in from a guest and i have a couple other packages here that i've yet to open for the 137 card collection card journey there's i'm I'm really excited about this uh i'm excited about the content that we're going to make around it i'm excited about what the collection can grow to be i'm excited about it being a community kind of involved thing because i think once everything's put together there's gonna be a collection of wild stuff with a common you know, theme and thread through it. So I just wanted to give Ben Harbuck, I've been kind, some love. He sent in this 1617 Don Russ basketball, Kevin Durant 
aptly numbered 137. Uh, and so I just want to make sure he gets some love and thank you. And we are excited. We're going to start doing some TikTok stuff around this. And we dig, to dig through dollar bins in, uh, in Dallas, looking, you know, yeah. flipping the cards around and looking at the back to try and pull 137s out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make some content around that. Um, okay. So relatable rips on Instagram, actually. And another interesting question for Rye. Um, can you come up with any viable solution for retail card distribution? I guess now that Target and Walmart have removed them. Is that official, both Target and Walmart? Well, Target removed them for the time being. They, they said that it's just a cooling off period and they're planning on bringing them back at some point. But I'm not exactly sure about Walmart, what the uh, what the situation is. But Target is still has, um, you know, different kinds of cards there. They, they're still carrying UFC. They're still carrying, you know, a couple of days. I think they removed Pokemon and, uh, you know, and sport and like the major sports. So there's a couple of solutions that come to mind. Now, mind you, I've never waited in line at Target. And since the retail craze, like I'm very big on like, if I'm going to buy it, I'll buy it secondary and I'll let somebody else wait. None of my team ever goes there. I'm very big on like capitalism. So if you're going to wait in line for a $20 blaster that sells for a hundred and I got to pay you 85 bucks for it, I'm cool with that. So no, I'm I'm not sure I'm the right guy for the, for the question, but there's three things that pop into my head for alternative solutions. Some people might agree or... And some people might not like these at all, but there's three possible solutions. Dutch auction on Panini's website. Target sells them directly on their website to consumers or card sharps get them. Those are really the three viable solutions. That's if Target's not going to sell them. Those are the first, again, whether you agree with one, two, or three, or all of them, or none of them, I'm not sure. But if you're asking me what are solutions, those would be the first three solutions that I think would make the most sense. But... I'm not sure which one makes more sense than others. I would assume if I had to guess, I would imagine it's either, I don't think it will be the card shop one. I think it would be target direct to consumer or Panini direct to consumer. But then you get in the argument about bots and stuff like that. And I know, you know, half the community doesn't like bots. Half the community doesn't like card shops selling retail. Half the community doesn't like, you know, flippers. I just, there's a lot going on. So those would be my solutions. Yeah, there is demand. And I think demand is better than no demand because I think it leads to innovation. I think it leads to more thoughtfulness. I I am empathetic for individuals that have been in the game forever building sets and just full on enjoying the collectible nature of things that now certain pieces are more expensive. But everything is more expensive if, if we're being honest. I mean... It, just look at the equities market stocks at like just over the last 24 months, you've seen a surge and not necessarily commodities, you know, your milk. Yeah, exactly. But, and that's like even further out, like we can really get into it, but I mean, there's just much more money in the system. Like every, like if you really get into kind of, investing and inflation and people all freaked out about inflation but you know we've talked about like the lack of 40 percent in a year increase used to be amazing 35 percent. now it's like if you haven't doubled if you're making like 15 percent returns on something you're underpacing like standard markets to my understanding and so i just want to keep that in mind 
now, right? But that's not how it's always been. Correct. Over the last two years. But that's what we've really seen in the card market too. Last two, three years. So I'm just saying things are more expensive. But, you know, Trey Young at $335 for a base PSA 10 doesn't seem like crazy to me today. Yeah. And he's a young stud in the league. And so any next question? Yeah, I mean, just just to add one more thing, I always found it kind of weird that when people get mad about the people who are standing online at Target to get the cards, it's like, I mean, that's just the way it goes with in any situation where something's hot. I mean, you look at like, I mean, just going back to like the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich, right? Like when when there's something out there that people want and there's people willing to wait online for two hours to get it. I mean, that's just the way that the market is, you know, like it's. I got a question. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this last night. This is from the Dream GSG on Instagram. Will hockey ever get the love? What's holding it back other than the obvious it's not as popular? What does hockey need to even come close to the others? And so I was thinking about this last night because I saw in like an email newsletter. So hockey is ending its contract with NBC and moves over to Disney next year. NBC, the way rights work, NBC paid a lot of money for those rights. I'm not sure off the top of my head if it was an eight-year deal, 10-year deal, 20-year deal, how long it's been with it, right? This past year, over the course of the NBC deal, this season was the lowest ratings. I was going to say it before I said basketball parallel uh, color about what I think has a potential to leave this thing. To me, it is not a coincidence at all. NBC Sports is losing the contract. The way that media works is that you need to put resource, time, energy, effort, money to get people to care about things. The world is so noisy. NBC is losing the deal. So what? They pulled back an immense amount of resources in promoting the game, the sport in general. Pair that with COVID. I believe Disney, now you're going into a you know, boom, a start of a 10-year contract. But the people that did that deal need to make sure it's worth their while. And so they're going to have pull a lot of tricks up their sleeve. You see it all the time. When IP gets purchased or collaborations start to happen, if you really dig in, there's always a reason why. And I think you're going to start seeing a massive uptick in distribution of content and media around the sport comparatively to the last two years because the rights holders knew that it was sunsetting. So why would they continue to build the asset? When the second the contract's over, it's irrelevant to them anyway. Yeah, why well, pump more money into something you're not going to have any part of, you know, 12 months from now? I think also hockey needs the mainstream superstar, right? Like, if you look at, like, the best few hockey players of the last decade or two, I mean, like a Connor McDavid, a Sidney Crosby, and a Vetchkin, guys like that. I mean, how often do you see those guys in a commercial, in a, you know, on TV? It's like... But that's that's the point, right? Like, the the teams can do that. The brands can do that, but the people that have the biggest pipes are the people that own the rights deals to promote these people. They put them on interview shows, they, that, you know, bacon deals here or there. They put them in their commercial stuff. Like that's how these stars are kind of made. Disney, ESPN, albeit have been behind the ball, not Disney, but ESPN as a sporting, I think kind of was behind the ball and going full internet digital. Disney is, not Disney Plus. You know, I think you'll start just Disney Plus is doing they came back with the new Mighty Ducks show. You're gonna start that like boom, that's a perfect example. The reason they did that is because it they have the NHL rights deal coming. 
It's not that confusing to me. You could put that show out anytime over the last X amount of years. They did it for a reason. So I think that you'll start to see Crosby's kind of uh, sunsetting his career, Ovi's sunsetting his career a little bit. But Connor McDavid, I think, is having an all-time, all-time NHL season right now. And yeah, like a, he had 100 points in a 56-game yeah. season. And I, I think he hit it in 52 games. So uh, I think there's massive upside in the NHL. And I think we've talked about it on this show before, right when that deal was announced. Um, but to answer the question, what's holding it back? Other than the obvious, it's not as popular. I think it, what's holding it back was, you know, these media right deals are important in the promotion of the game. And I think we were in an interesting period matched with COVID that there's no incentive for the rights holders to continue to promote the game other over other assets that they have uh, equity in for the long term. Razor sports cards on Insta. Uh, actually, Tyler, this is one right up your alley. He said, um, sounds like NBA top shots dying. Uh, how are so rare NFTs doing right now? So rare NFTs from a market uh, perspective are doing well. They are selling. They haven't crashed or hit the floor. Obviously, there was a massive NFT run-up. Um, I was actually just talking to Gary last night about so rare because the product is innovating at an incredibly fast pace. I am so long on so rare and believe in it so much because there's collectability in Top Shot. It's about owning moments and showing them off. And I think that the digital flex isn't there yet to really add the value to them. Comparatively for so rare, it's a game for degenerates. It's a game for football fanatics. I think it's going at fantasy Premier League market or fantasy uh, Calcio, whatever, all the big fantasy uh, games, I think will be engulfed by so rare. And I think it's going at betting has collectability. I'm bullish as all hell on so rare more today than ever. I'm trying to log in so that I can give some examples. Six, four, six, seven. Let's see. That wasn't my password. Don't worry. Do, 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 do. Offer volume in the last 24 hours is up 4%. There has been, and that's 67 ETH. Yeah. They're going to be doing Euro Cup stuff. Uh, so rare. So rare.com. Check it out. So rare for the data and insights. I believe in the in it a lot. Ryan, this one's for you from Joseph J. Enzo on Instagram. Uh, he asked, when did you know it was the right time to quit your main job and go all in on cards? Mm. We don't really know it's like the right time. Like I didn't didn't really wake up a day and just be like, you know what, today's the day I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. It's just like we were coming closer to like our wedding date. We were planning that out, planning the honeymoon. And, you know, I've kind of told the story before about how a lot of our wedding, most of our wedding was paid for out of like flipping cards and, you know, doing stuff like that. It was, that was kind of my, like my moment with like, with my wife where I was like, Hey, this is, you know, I've shown that like this, this, this can be sustainable. I can, uh, you know, make money at this. This is something I enjoy doing. It's something I want to do forever. 
And again, I've told the story about how, like, I was really big into Gary's content at the time about, like, you know, the whole one life, no regrets type deal. Um, and I just, you know, th- that, that was kind of our, our discussion was, hey, I'm going to, I'm not coming back after our honeymoon. I'm, I'm going to take the chance on this. So it wasn't like I had just m- made money on a deal and was like, cool, time to, time to quit my job. Just made 5,000 bucks. It's, it's time to quit. This was more of like a progression over 18 months. And I was like, you know, I, I showed myself like, hey, I had to take it more seriously. I think that was one thing is like, I had to take it more seriously that like, hey, I I need to show myself I can actually make money at this. And then the time came. So that was really when I did, but I didn't really have like a, a you know, a, an epiphany or one thing on one day where I was like, hey, time to do it. It was just, we got closer to the wedding. I had shown that I was able to do it. And I was like, time, time to, time to make that, uh, make the move. Got it. All right. I guess we want to fire out a couple rapid fire questions, right? To, to kind of close it yep. out. Yep. So, all right. So uh, first one is from Fresh to Jeff Cards. And he asked, does the, pop Fresh report to really matter? does the pop report really matter? Yes. 100%. Agreed. Okay. Uh, are you, do you want to go on, on that one, Tyler? Nope. It oh. mattered a lot. He, same guy, Fresh to Jeff Cards, asked this question, and I'll fire it also out. Uh, tops or Panini for soccer? Tops or Panini for soccer? So I think the question's a little tough because they each have di- – don't they each have different mm-hmm. licenses, Ty? Mm-hmm. Some thing about my so, favorite. Ty, better question. Tops Chrome Gold Refractor or Prism Gold? Tops Chrome. I would say Prism Gold. I like top. yeah. Uh, like – like if you told prism me I could have a, a lot, an yeah. Mbappe prism gold or an Mbappe tops chrome gold, I realize one's out of ten out of fifty, so that kind of skews the argument. I would still take prism gold. Interesting. I I would take a prism yeah. blue ice over a prism blue or a tops chrome blue. Tops chrome has done a good job historically. I like the Champions League stuff. Yeah, I, I'd say tops. But damn, I love the Panini World Cup set like a lot. That's why I'm smiling. I think it's kind of like a funny question. Player graders asked, would you rather have $10,000 in cash or $10,000 in cards to sell? I guess if you, if, if you have $10,000 in cards that you want to sell, you'd probably rather have the 10000 in cash, right? If because- it's $10,000 in cards to go buy or 10000 I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. I'd rather have $10,000 in cash. Sure. Without doing the work and all that. And that's stuff, what I'm saying. Cool. I'm like... Yeah, if it's $10,000 in cards or $10,000 in cash, I mean, cool. Yeah, $10,000 in cash. Yeah, because that means I sold the $10,000 in cards successfully for cash and the work's already done. So, um, and then I can do whatever I want with the $10,000 in cash. So, that is what I'd say. All right, Tyler, your vintage footy top five most wanted from uh, Nils 1010. My vintage footy. Top five most wanted. Cristiano Ronaldo, Mega Cracks, 137, PSA 10, PSA 9, PSA 8, PSA 7, PSA 6. There you go. Um, Husker Matt on Insta asked, do you think modern basketball inserts will become as popular as 90s inserts have? Some, yes. Agreed. Do you have a favorite modern insert, Brian? Kaboom or Galactic? Color blast for me right now. Why don't you think Major League Baseball pitchers get as much love as NFL quarterbacks? Because they're not the same. Pitchers and kickers are the same. Pitchers and kickers are the same. Interesting. In terms of like hobby love, they just don't get it. 
Yeah, I think a, a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher. I know nothing about baseball, but it feels like a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher are becoming more in more of the same. This is a question better suited for Lou. Yeah, we need Lou. But your quarterback goes down, you're finished. You lose your second or third pitcher. I feel like you can get through it. Yeah, there's five on a team that are consistently playing. Yeah. There was a Marcus Rashford question that I definitely want to ask. I like with the speed that we're going right now. Oh, here we go. Ryan, will you be accepting crypto for cards? This is from that card guy one at that card guy one on uh, on Twitter. Will you be accepting crypto for cards? I will be at the national cash and crypto and trades. <laughs> I'm not in the crypto space at the moment. That's something I would love to learn more about, but I'm not there at the moment. So I, I don't anticipate it being uh, something we accept, but a lot of time left. Take out PSA and Beckett. What are your next top three slabs? SGC, HGA, and CGC? CSG. CSG. Yeah, there you go. Wax, Raw, and SGC. Wax, Raw, and SGC, huh? Not a fan of, of CSG, huh? <laughs> PSA 9 uh, versus BGS 9 compare in value. They don't. Not at the moment. Meaning PSA 9 is more valuable and sought after and attractive than a BGS 9. From hoodiehaskins.tcg. How much longer does Marcus Rashford have to establish himself as one of the all-time greats to see a real value jump in his card, in his cards, or is the train already leaving him behind at Card Talk Pods? So, there's a lot in this. How much longer does he have to establish himself as one of the all-time greats? He has his entire career because he can't really... It's We've talked about this maybe months ago. More in a basketball time frame. You've got kind of like your early years, your year one, year two, where you're a prospect, and then you you like kind of have um, potential. And then you're kind of in the mix. And then you've got a longer, you know, kind of the back end of your career to solidify some things in hobby speaking. I believe Marcus Rashford is 20. How old is Marcus Rashford? 23 years old. He's got seven years of really good football ahead of him before he goes into his, all right, I got four years to kind of make weird stuff happen. He is a Manchester United forever remembered player at this point. Um, He is a mainstay on the English squad that is going to be very good. He is arguably one of the most impactful and respectable and amazing humans off the pitch in the sport as of late. And I think that there's massive upside for Marcus Rashford. Uh, I think he has time. And I think Marcus, uh, I think Manchester United over the next two years has a real shot at uh, returning to some Premier League glory. I love Marcus Rashford. I am long on him. KJ underscore cares on to ask, will the Herbert Burrow rookie class see the same August sophomore class run up in prices or will it be overshadowed by an incredible 2021 class coming in? We'll definitely see a run up. Most quarterbacks will have a run-up. Everybody's optimism, optimistic before the season starts. Look at last year. Look at Kyler, Daniel Jones, Minshew, Haskins. Look at all those guys in P- Drew Locke, PSA 10. Go back on August 4th or 5th, or, you know, first week of August. See what their PSA 10 sold for compared to October 1st or 4th or whatever. Look at it two months apart, and the, the optimism on day one is much higher than the optimism, you know, three weeks in line on that i think that we can probably wrap the uh the questions up there and see maybe want to transition over to latest launch cool you good tech i'm good all right thanks jay no problem
All right, so that is the last of the questions. Again, thanks to everybody for uh, for reaching out, submitting questions on Twitter or Instagram. As always, you can submit a play if we do play of the week, submit questions, anything like that. It's just Card Talk Pod on IG or Twitter. All right, so last but not least, as we wrap this up, we got latest launch. So Ty, we've got a couple different things this week. We've got Contenders Basketball, Trilogy Hockey, Topps Chrome, Bundesliga Soccer, and uh, Pokemon uh, VMAX League Battle Deck. It says like Intalon, I think. Mm-hmm. So big ones this week are going to be Bundesliga Soccer, Contenders Basketball, and Trilogy Hockey. I think, boom, I mean, footy for me, I'm pumped. I think Bundesliga people are going to, I think that product is a mainstay now just because of what happened with Holland. And I think people are going to want to rip it because, you know, once this, once a product becomes like a consummate chase rip each year, it comes back and gets love it seems and i uh yeah, i'm excited to see that that out i'm actually excited for uh for trilogy again we, we've talked about hockey right like a hockey box is typically a lot cheaper than football or basketball um even baseball and this this year's class has, has been pretty solid right you got uh what's his name lafreniere yeah lafreniere is the number one pick but you've got what uh Capriol or Kareel, uh, the kid from Minnesota, Stutzel, I know and stuff. He had like a hat trick yesterday, I think. It just, uh, I like the, the hockey market this year. Hockey's upper deck also makes some really, yeah. really cool patches. Um, I agree. Yeah, I mean, especially for the price point, it's, you know, Topps Chrome Bundesliga is $675 a box pre-sale online. Like, I'm sure Trilogy is going to be, you know, what, 175 Without looking, I have no idea. 175 bucks, 200 bucks, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, it just seems like, for for the value on that hockey hockey could be a play so excited for that contenders basketball is also a uh you know it's a it's a popular product probably more so in football i think especially with the brady contenders being what it is now um i think the, i think the football contenders is a, is a bigger bigger product but um in, in the same breath cracked ice the premier or the premium autos the on card like chrome like ones um there's a first off the line set. I think contenders has some potential. So it'd be interesting to see how that does. Love it. Well, I'll see you in three days. See you in Dallas. Can't wait. See you guys. Hope everyone has an amazing rest of their day. Appreciate you tuning in. Peace. Peace. That's a wrap on Card Talk this week. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com, and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37 p.m. podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.